Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope, and we just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is the first time you're checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Now, people, I don't know if you've been waiting I don't know if you've been excited as I am, but this is season six of the Dr. Will Show, and this episode will be released, inshallah, today as part of a two-episode release celebrating the beginning of this season. And today's guest is Alexandria Bland, uh, better known as Alex to people. And if you are a fan of her writing, it is what Alex writes. And if you've been listening to our podcast, it's what Alex says. So I love the branding on that as well. And we're going to get into all of those things. Now, what's cool about Alex is she was one of us, folks. She was in the ranks, uh, in the classroom, and now she's doing some other things. And I wanted to bring her on because of her background as an educator and what she's been able to do since then. And I wanted to have her drop some gems so that for some of you who may be thinking what could be next for you, maybe Alex has some insight for you. So for those who be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Simplecast, will you please introduce yourself, Alex? Hello, everyone. My name is Alexandria Bland. As he already mentioned, most people just call me Alex. I am a Los Angeles native, but I live here in Houston, and this is where I was an educator. So it's interesting because, you know, so many educators are leaving the field within the first, you know, five years. It's some kind of wild statistic of 50% leave. Uh, so how did you find yourself in K through 12 education? And what did you imagine yourself doing when you were growing up? All right, so I, every time I'm asked this question, when people are like, how did you become a teacher? I always reference like the Martin episode. He's like, they called me because like I literally never applied for my first teaching job. But it really started because it was like my birthday in like 2012 and it was on a Wednesday and I was at work and a friend of mine who was a, a preschool teacher or something at the time, she invited me to lunch and I never turned down free food. But when I was watching the clock at this birthday lunch, I'm like, you know, ready to go, got an hour. And she was like so relaxed and she was about to go shopping afterward. And it's, my birthday is during the summer, by the way. And I asked her like, why aren't you at work? She's like, oh, I have the summer off. And she basically explained like how she became a teacher. And, and it seemed kind of easy. I didn't major in education or anything like that. But so not only did she have the summer off, but I kept noticing I had a lot of teacher friends and they were just living their best lives. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, I'm really at work on my birthday. And she's about to go to Target and it's not there. So I just took the test that she told me to take and sent it to a teaching certification program. But I didn't really anticipate applying for any jobs or anything like that. But they called me and offered me an interview, maybe like the second week of school, that school year or something. I interviewed and they offered me the position and the rest was pretty much history. So I kept teaching after that and I enjoyed it for my time period. Yeah, we need, we need that summer. You know, for those who are like, one of the things they like to say to sort of belittle the profession, especially when people are saying, Hey man, we need some more cash. 
uh, some more zeros on that check. You know, they're like, so when well, you get the summer off, but you don't do what we do. That you, you need that summer. Uh, Absolutely, that. yeah, you need that two week winter break. You need the whole week of Thanksgiving. You you need it and you deserve it all. So like, I really <laughs> appreciated the teaching vacation schedule, but that does not take away the stresses that accompany the position at all. No doubt. So you were a middle school teacher, and now you're an author, an entrepreneur, and a podcaster. What went through your mind when you decided to leave K through 12? And was it a difficult decision for you? I'm also a realtor. So that's my entrepreneur plug. Okay. Houston home hunts if you're looking for a house. But <laughs> no, but seriously, my last year teaching was the one I had like the best students ever. I was teaching some pre-AP students. Everything was like great, so to speak, as far as my students went. But still, I wasn't happy with the system. I didn't like that the administrators at my campus didn't really represent the student population. So a lot of things are going through my mind. And it was it started to get really difficult for me to wake up on time to go to work. I didn't even want to go anymore. And yeah, so it was just a hot mess that whole year. <laughs> but uh, but um, overall, like, I just knew something was missing in my career. I knew that, you know, having to teach to a test wasn't something I was enjoying. So um, I just started taking real estate classes during the evening, like, after school to kind of prepare myself because I know that a lot of teachers they just assume that they they aren't going to be able to get a different job because their teaching's been on their resume for five eight or whatever years so I wanted to make the transition as smooth as possible real estate was something I was interested in so I didn't want to wait until I didn't have a teaching job anymore I wanted to kind of do both simultaneously for a while so yeah that's pretty much what I did it was a difficult decision to make in a sense, like, this is me giving up some security. I'm used to this check, and I know every two weeks or whatever, but it wasn't difficult for, like, my mental because I knew that, like, I was not satisfied. I knew that if I'm waking up dreading going to work, that that wasn't the place I needed to be. Mm. And I hear you. And that's one of the things I talk about in this podcast with educators is I want them to understand that they are fully realized human beings and that they must honor and embrace themselves and live a life to where you are not looking forward to Christmas break after Thanksgiving. Right. Right. Like, so, well, Martin Luther King Day is going to come up. So I'm excited in, in January because I, I just had two weeks off, but that wasn't enough. So I'm looking, yeah, I didn't want to live my life like that because at work I want to enjoy myself. And even in my classes with my students, I was enjoying myself, but it was just like the little things outside of it that you have to worry about an administrator, you know, checking the clock. I don't like being watched like that. I like autonomy. I don't want to have to, like I said, teach to a test. There were just things that I couldn't change about the system that made me know that like, I, teaching is not the way I can best serve my students. I hear you. Hear you. My brother is a realtor. Oh, awesome. It's, yes. it's a profession. It's definitely not a job. I tell people all the time, real estate is not a job. It is a business. So like, if you're not working at it every day, don't expect money to come in. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. He, he has told me about the hustle and the drive that he, he does. Uh, he, he, even though I didn't choose him as my realtor, uh, which it never even occurred to me because, you know, he lives an hour and a half away, but he did take me on my first house, my wife and I on our first house visit when we were looking for a house. And uh, I I'm glad that he found it, you know, cause he went to school and he told me he was just sitting in a sociology class and he was like, why am I here? <laughs> like, this is, I'm not feeling this. And he rolled out, 
And, you know, I'm, I'm happy that he found his passion in what he's doing. So he's, he's really, he's really awesome at it. Yeah, that's very wise because I remember writing in my latest book, like, I'm really stuck paying for some classes I didn't even want to sit in, like, because, yeah, I'm kind of using my degree to an extent, but there are a lot of things and professions you can kind of do without having a college degree, and we need to promote those. So you've self-published two books. The first, I want to ask you, okay, I'm going to get to that because I'm always fascinated by like a lot of people try to go through the publishing route, you know, trying to be, you know, pick me, choose me when one. They don't have a following maybe. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, but for me, what I love about the self-publishing piece because of the technology now, right? We had, we literally have the technology now to where if you want to be a rapper or a singer, you can produce your own stuff on an iPad or, or a MacBook and put that bad boy online and sell it yourself and receive most of the money. Same thing with writing. You can, t- you, you know, you can buy a camera and make a movie, put that thing online and sell it. So you're not beholden to gatekeepers anymore. So I, I am going to get into that uh, with you about why you chose the right of self-publishing. But your first book, what teaching taught me, you know, and is available online. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes for people to go, you know, pick up your books. But how did you get start get started writing? I got started writing. I feel like I was always good at writing to an extent. At least my teachers, you know, gave me the praise and like elementary and all that stuff. So they would like ask me to participate in whether it be like poetry competitions, just like little stuff that I was too shy to do anyway. But I really remember high school was like a breaking point for me. I saw my name in a byline at the school newspaper and I was like, I really felt proud and I wanted to feel that way again. So when I went to college, I found a way to pursue journalism and, you know, write for the school newspaper there. And, you know, I would write for little, like, small magazines, just, like, contributing articles here and there. And then I realized that I didn't like having to ask people what I could write about. So I started the blog, What Alex Writes. And then that, so writing has always kind of just been a thing for me. But as far as writing a book, that started as a blog post. So what teaching taught me. So during that last year of teacher teaching, I'm like, just started jotting down little lessons I've learned, whether it be from my students or from parents and educators or whatever. And I noticed that I'm like elaborating on these things that I've learned. I'm like, this is more than a blog post. So I just decided to make it a book. I didn't know what I was doing. So as far as self-publishing it, like it was just like, uh, let me just get it out there. Uh, and I didn't necessarily know what I was doing or how to look for a publisher, even if I thought I wanted one anyway. So I want to throw this out there to you because you know better because you've done this, you know, Amazon takes their cut, but you're going to get, you know, the bulk of the money. What would you say to that individual who says they're a writer, right? They want to put out a book and the first thing in their mind may be traditional. Let me go try to shop this thing out to get a, to actually find a publisher. But what do you say to them about the advantages of self-publishing? I think the advantages of self-publishing, like for me, it's like, I like instant gratification, right? So if I'm finished, I'm ready to put my book out. But if I have a publisher, they have to go through edits. They have to approve a final design and and all that. And they're taking a a really large chunk out of it, if you're being honest. Um, So 
yeah, the advantages of self-publishing is like you kind of have control and autonomy to do what you want and make the project what you want it to be. And I definitely wouldn't be as concerned about Amazon taking a cut, so to speak, because you don't only have to sell your books through Amazon. You can buy author's copies and then kind of sell them from your website for whatever price you want to sell them for. And you're not paying Amazon the 30% that normal people have to do. So look at you dropping the knowledge on them today. Uh, <laughs> With your first book, What Teaching Taught Me, <clears throat> what was the pain point behind you writing the book? And what did actually, what did teaching actually teach you? Okay, so as far as a pain point, like, I just knew there were a lot of teachers entering the profession, and they were blind, they didn't know what to expect. And then there were a lot of teachers struggling. Like, I remember my conference periods, instead of being with educators, like trying to really plan for the next unit, they in there complaining. <laughs> and they like, I had these kids did that, you know, whatever. So I just knew a lot of us were struggling. So I wanted to write the book to let them know that other people can relate that they're not alone. And that sometimes it's best to just go back to the drawing board and remember remember why you started and remember that it really is all about the kids um, and teaching taught me a lot so I have a list of like 13 different lessons in the book which is available on whatalexwrites.com but <laughs> but the, if I had to pinpoint one lesson it would just be that you know kids and adults we aren't all that different we're all just trying to figure things out as we go and so we got to kind of grant people you know the I don't know the grace in dealing with them so that's what teaching taught me Awesome. I hear you. I hear you. I've, I have been in those conversations, uh, you know, with our fellow folks. And it, it, it even happens when you go to a conference mm -hmm. and you can get a group of educators together and it'll be like, oh, my gosh, uh, you know, some of the conversations, though, you know, the profession has changed a lot and the kids have changed a lot. I heard uh, someone say this, that the teachers are afraid of the principals. The principals are afraid of superintendent. Superintendent is afraid of the parents and the kids ain't afraid of nobody. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly how it was. And so at my last campus, it would be like, there was legit a student who was like, see me outside, bro, trying to fight me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, the, and the administrator didn't want to address this. So I'm just like, yeah, it, it, because they let the kids kind of really run the campus and they don't want to, you know, deal with the kids' parents. So therefore, they just let the kid kind of run rampant. So like, that was something that was really stressful. The kids are not afraid. They know they can get away with a lot, especially on campuses where, like I said, the administrators don't really reflect the student demographic. So they can't relate. So there are sometimes like a, a black or a Latino administrator, they can kind of get with a kid and say something to them and the kid will know to get it together. But just other times, just not something. They know they can, they can run over people. Oh, I hear you. So your second book, oh my gosh, man. When I saw the title on this book, I was like, okay, okay. There has to be a story there, right? So people, the, the title of her second book is, I wrote this book to pay my student loans. All right, yeah. so immediately you see that, you're like, oh, what's <laughs> hey, what's going on? I, I can feel you on that. I, I, I have more in student loans. I pay, okay. I took out more on student loans to get these big three letters behind my name than I did when I signed the mortgage form for my house. Wow. So let that sink in, people. Um, what should readers expect to see in the book? So honestly, I'm a self-help book 
junkie, right? I love self-help books. And a lot of times authors, they claim they want people to accomplish their goals, be better people and something like that and stuff like that. But I really just wanted to be clear about my intentions. Like I wrote the book, yeah, to pay my student loans and, and to raise money to kind of start my next career phase. But people should just expect to see like honest opinions and just thoughts about a variety of topics. So in it, I talk about music. I talk about how I do not tolerate Usher slander stop acting like he's not the king of R&B. Um, gotta put that out there. <laughs> who, who do you think is the king of R&B if not Usher? Oh. I, I'm 46, right? So I don't listen to any of this new stuff. But I know Usher is older now, so he's not, you know, like some of the young folk. Um, but for me, I go further back when you talk about like R uh, like R&B. You talking know, like, Teddy Pendergrass, Luther Vandross vibes. Stuff, stuff like yeah, little, you know, little, little stuff like that. Yeah, force MDs, even though that's a group and not. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so. I'm not trying to argue with you right now, okay? But just know <laughs> I don't tolerate usher slander, okay? <laughs> <laughs> No, but ultimately, it's just a book about a whole lot of topics. I talk about education. I talk about parenting. I don't have any human children, but yes. I think I have some really valuable parenting gifts, whether people want to hear them or not. So in the book, you can just kind of get like a lot of humor and just a lot of like fun topics yeah, yeah. that I like to explore. Cool. Yeah, we don't have any children either. We're not planning on having any. I noticed that a lot of times when people are educators, they make that decision. They're like, I'm good. Like, yeah, I'm yeah, good. yeah. Well, I never wanted any, ever. I, I You know, when I was growing up, I, I was planning to major in film, which I did. I do have a degree in radio, te television, and film. But I was like, man, I'm going to travel the world. I'm making these movies. I'm not having any kids. And when I got married, you know, and I'm older than my wife. So I said, hey, hey, you know, if you want something, you know, because at first I said, I even asked her if I bought the ring. I was like, do you want children? Uh, and then she kind of brought it up a little bit. And I was like, well, if you want it, you got to do it now. Because I don't want to be the old dude at the baseball field. Yeah. And she was like, uh, then she started teaching, and then she was like, I'm done. <laughs> she was like, I don't need it. Yeah, I got 30 yeah. kids in my classroom. I do not yeah. need the house. It makes sense. Yeah, so 17 years later, we're still ch children free, so it's been all good for me. Yeah, I'm really a fan of child-free environments, so like, it's great coming to home and being able to do what you want and not have to raise kids afterwards, but who knows what God has in store for the future for me. I don't know. I hear you. I hear you. So, you know, earlier I opened up this episode by talking about this is season six. So I've been podcasting for five years, right? The Dr. Will show, it returns today, people, season six. Mm -hmm. And again, we have Alex on the show. Um, in addition to being a writer, you're a podcaster. I am. You know, so tell the listening audience about what Alex says, you know, your podcast. What attracted you to podcasting and how do you decide which topics to cover? 
it's so funny hearing you say that I'm a podcaster because it still feels so weird because I can't believe I get on the microphone and talk to people. But 2019 was the year I decided that I wanted to go for, you know, and pursue things that I really didn't think I could do, whether I was scared or not. I didn't know podcasting was one of them. Since I love listening to podcasts, I like how they make me feel like I'm having a conversation with people, how I get to learn from them or just be entertained on my way to work or on road trips. So I wanted to be a part of the podcast world since like 2016, 2017, but um, it just didn't work out. I even recorded a few episodes with like a co-host, but I didn't like the chemistry, so I didn't want to put them out there. But 2019, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go for it by myself. And yeah, and a lot of friends were like encouraging me because sometimes I'll talk in my Insta stories just about like random little stories, but then they'll be short because I don't want to talk in my phone for four minutes. So people are like, you know, you should start a podcast. I want to hear more. So that's what I did. And as far as deciding which topics I want to cover, that's the beauty of working alone. I don't really have to go through anybody. Like I just cover what's on my head, what's in my head, on my heart. Like if I can talk about it for about 20 minutes, I feel like it's worth discussing. And I just make it happen when I turn on the microphone. In the future, I plan to do some like interviews and some other fun stuff or chats with girls. But at the moment, I'm just figuring stuff out on my own right now. And you have some interesting takes on life and career relationships. I, I, I've listened to quite a, quite, whoo, I've listened to a lot of episodes of your podcast, right? And so, you know, I'm, I'm, okay. <laughs> you got me scared. No, it's not, no, no need to have that. You know, just, you know, just listening and, and hearing you, some of the things you, you've talked about and, and some things you, you you heard like for example people there, there was an episode where i don't know if it was a friend of yours but you were she was saying how well what are the qualities you want in a mate and the person said he need to be employed and you were like employed <laughs> i forgot i even talked about that <laughs> how is that a, you, were, you were like how is that a quality that's that's basic like that's a what this is nothing special you should you know you need to aim higher and i was like oh I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that, that was an interesting uh, take. And so people go check out the episodes. You, you, I just found that and some other, you know, conversations and insights uh, hilarious. So in hearing you talk about those things, what has been the lowest point in your life? And how were you able to move forward to focus on what's most important to you? All right, uh, you're trying to make me go there, you know, and I don't know about the lowest point, woo chow. Um, I guess I can really share that. I've had a couple like low points in life and, you know, face some disappointments and stuff like that. And my most recent one was like last year, I had like a bout of depression and I'm just like, what am I doing? Am I doing the right thing? I kind of was, this was like first quarter of the year type of vibes. Um, but then I just made a choice to like choose me and I had to decide that what's most important to me is me. And if I'm not right, then nothing I do will be right, so to speak. So yeah, I made a decision to focus on being a better me, doing things that I enjoy and doing things that can improve me as a person instead of like depending on other people to provide me happiness or joy or whatever. And then I kind of just was able to like really take it off. Like I think from, I would say maybe like June on, as far as 2019 goes, like people were like, you're different, you're glowing, you're, you know, and, but that really is just because I made a choice to bet on me. So 
Low points aside, low points don't really get no free publicity from me, okay? We talk about the high points. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was just asking, you know, because, you know, in listening, again, it was just so much things in, in hearing your podcast. It made me go, okay, okay, what, what was she thinking here? What's going on there? Because... I'm always interested in people's stories and I'm all way as an educator, I'm more so interested in the transformation than the transaction. Right. So if you can learn what three plus seven is, that's fine. But if you don't know what, well, man, if I can take this, that knowledge of seven and turn that information into a business, right. You know, th that's what I want. I want the individual to be a, be just, see the world and their lives themselves differently after having some sort of experience with me in terms of in the classroom and in listening to your podcast and the things that you have talked about and have shared. I just wonder like, what's, what's going on here with Alex? What, what is her thinking process? What has she experienced? Because it, it, when you hear it, you know, some people don't, some people share and you hear it and you go, okay, you, you, you know, and then some people share things and you're hearing it and you go, oh, oh, okay. Like, where did, where did, this, where did this come from? And it was just, I, I like, again, I like listening to your show. So people, you know, once you listen to this episode, go check out what Alex says, our podcast, and there'll be, you know, links uh, for you to check out. So I want to throw this out there to you because you're, you're doing this podcast. What are you expecting or planning to do next? Ooh, that's a great question. So like I'm trying to do everything with intentions, right? So like the podcast, like you were mentioning, I say things that may make you wonder like, what's she going through in life? But I, I honestly just have reached a point where I think about mortality a lot and I just want to like have something to kind of like leave behind or like people to know I was here so to speak and I see like even members of my own family kind of like living but not feeling like they've lived kind of when they reach the end and so I just want to like I don't know like I hate the term live my best life but that really is what I'm trying to do and as far as the podcast I thought it would be a good idea or a way to help market my book, talk about topics that I cover in the book. And also I'm noticing like you can have like brand deal sponsorships and things of that nature. So I don't want to say I have like a direct game plan for the podcast, but I'm hoping that I just continue to kind of let stuff be organic. And it works out for me. Like just this week, I got an email about like obtaining a sponsorship. And then I'm going to find ways to like promote businesses that I appreciate and enjoy. And yeah, I just, I just know it'll thrive just because I got a feeling and a vision in my mind. So yeah, there's no real map, but it's going, it's going up all the way up. It is. It is. Just like when you say, oh, I'm not a sponsor, but let me give you, let me practice an official <laughs> sponsorship. Yeah. So I'm, not, I'm telling you, I've been listening. Um, so what is the greatest lesson or something you've learned about success that has surprised you and what has been your journey to like to getting to where you are now? 
So I want to start off with like a little negative thing that success has taught me and then I'll get to the positive. But like, you know how like celebrities, they get all these like negative messages and people hate knowing them, so to speak. And this week I talked about it on my Insta story. Like I didn't really think that haters were a real thing, right? Like I'm, it's just me. I'm just over here with my dog. I don't really go out. I don't really argue with people or anything like that. But like someone went out of their way to kind of like leave like a negative book review, but I know they hadn't bought the book because they basically put it like right after I released the book. So I'm like, who could this be from this anonymous account, you know? So success has taught me that like, if you don't have haters, you ain't popping. No, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But it just taught me that like everybody doesn't want to see you do well. And when they feel like you're doing better than them, they will try to kind of tear you down or take you down a notch. But ultimately, the, the real main lesson I want to touch on is that success is not a destination. It's not final. If you accomplish a goal, you need to be consistent because success takes consistent work and effort. And I think I may have accomplished like some cool things as of right now, but I haven't even scratched the surface of what like success for my life will look like. Um, yeah, and I guess I can tell you a little bit about like my journey to kind of get to this point as an author, realtor or whatever, uh, because the climb is important. It's been filled with like a lot of like challenges and just realizing that it's okay to change your mind and pivot when something's not working. So like I was, I was teaching for what would it be five years or so. And I'm like, yeah, this is not going to work. And five years is a long time to invest, but you just have to kind of make up your mind that it's okay to try something new, whether it be a podcast, whether it be writing a book or starting a, a web series or just whatever. So 2020, I'm putting my name in all hats and just taking some risks to, to get, get where I want to go. Wow. All right. Now we're going to end this podcast by asking, I want to ask you this question because it came to mind because you spent the years in the classroom and decided that it was time for you to move on. <clears throat> what is your advice to those educators who they have a passion that they want to pursue outside of the classroom? They are having dreams, conversations about getting out, but they're concerned. They're, they're, they're feeling overwhelmed. They're feeling that they can't, do so because they've taken out the student loans. Uh, yeah. So, and they put in the time going through a teacher education program. They have the degree. Um, and on top of that, you know, when you say to yourself, Hey, this is what I want to do. And you spend four, you know, five, maybe six years getting that degree and going through certifications and student teaching and all those things to get to that point. And then you get there and it's like, oh, this is not what I expected or this is different. And they are not sure how to move on. What is your advice to them to get them feeling okay about that decision or, or possibly steps that they could take in order to follow what is tugging at them currently? So the cliche answer is like, believe in yourself. But what I mean when I say that is like, have the courage to create opportunities for yourself, right? So in many cases, you don't have to immediately quit teaching to pursue a passion. So you can start with a side project, do something in the summer or on the, in the evenings, on the weekends. Your options really are endless. So 
believing in yourself would just include you giving yourself the opportunity to try something new without automatically thinking like, oh, that won't work because I got to teach or I got to be in the classroom for this. Because with teaching, you have the opportunity to have a lot of downtime if you manage like your conference periods and stuff well. So bottom line is time is precious. And if you're not happy with what you do for a living, if you've invested five years, each day you're going to waste eight more hours doing something you're not happy with. <laughs> So, um, yeah, and it's even more than eight hours if you're the type of person who takes work home or events on the weekends because you're mad that you got to go to work on Monday. So, sure, it costs money to be trained and certified to become a teacher, but you need to give yourself the opportunity to make more money doing something else that you're passionate about and something that you enjoy. And a lot of times I was even like interested in taking a pay cut if it meant that in the future I would be able to kind of level up in other ways that I would enjoy more. But so with my job that I took after teaching, yeah, I made more money than teaching, but I also worked more time. <laughs> so if you really do the math and do some division and multiplication, I, yeah, I'm kind of breaking even in a sense. So, but I'm happier doing what, what I do and I'm able to be more creative. So yeah, just give yourself the opportunity to believe in yourself and do something different instead of thinking that you're stuck because you're not. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Alex, for coming on. Thanks for having me. This was great. You're welcome. You're welcome. Now, people, you know how I do this. This episode will be up on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Simplecast. I need you to subscribe, follow, leave a rating, leave your comments, because your boy's trying to get Oprah on the show. And I want her to know that I'm doing big things around here. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Alex Bland for coming on and dropping her gems. Don't forget to check out her podcast, What Alex Says, uh, and go check out her site, What Alex Writes, and see the blog posts, ideas that she is sharing there. And I'll be posting links to where you can go ahead and purchase her book. Again, I'd like to thank everyone who's been checking out the Dr. Will Show podcast and be looking forward to season six because I'm trying to bring some major heat this year. Uh, as always, people, invest in you. EDU, peace.